Hi church, today I will be reading Psalms 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in my safety. Thanks, Andrew. And uh, thanks for Calista for doing the Bible reading for us. Um, we're going to tackle that psalm together. But before we do that, um, church, if you've read the uh, newsletter this week, you would have seen some uh, news in there uh, that uh, Hope in the Hills uh, Christian Reformed Church have uh, asked me to be pastor there. And Coral and I have accepted that. So we're um, heading up to the hills uh, as of 2021. Um, and um, yeah, we're excited about that. God's um, brought us on a journey over this year in particular, but um, beginning of the year, sort of our missional community was just got the sense that that was coming to the end of its life and its season. And then with COVID on top of that, that sort of confirmed it. So um, yeah, we've been seeking God as to what were the next steps and what direction to go. Um, and then a bit randomly, we got a call from uh, Hope in the Hills, and we really saw that as an answer to our prayers. God heard our cries, and um, we'd sort of spoken with them and met with them, and um, we're going to be excited about this next season of ministry uh, for us, which will begin next year. Uh, so pray for us as we consider that. Pray for Hope in the Hills, but pray for uh, leadership and uh, for my role here at Cavell as we work out how that's all going to sort of pan out into the new year. Um, so, yeah, would appreciate uh, your prayers for, for me and for the family uh, and the churches involved as well. Thank you. So now I want to uh, get into this psalm. Uh, like Andrew said, I've been uh, reading the psalms and enjoying them. That's been uh, a great journey for me. And um, over the last while, I've had a lot of time to uh, ponder on Psalm 4 and explore that uh, in my own thinking. So hopefully um, God will speak to you through this uh, as we go through it. And so, as I said in the video that came out during the week, I uh, put a couple of questions to you um, about how well are you sleeping at night? Or the, the question behind it is, uh, what's actually robbing you of sleep at night? Uh, did you have any thoughts about that? What were sort of some of the things that came up uh, into your uh, mind as you wrestled with what is it actually that keeps you awake at night? Is it uh, anxiety uh, about the uncertain times, how long lockdown is going to continue for, um, how are you going to actually survive this? Maybe it's bigger world pictures that you're looking at some of the suffering that's going on in the world at the moment, or you're being inundated with conspiracy theories and your mind is going crazy, or uh, dads or parents, uh, is it your kids? <laughs> keeping you up awake. Uh, maybe uh, Joel and Sabrina might be experiencing that a little bit more in uh, recent times with the new baby, but um, babies can, 
can rob us of sleep. But I think children of any age, uh, parents know uh, the stress and anxiety that it can be to have children and uh, look at what's going on in their lives. Um, what about uh, job uncertainty? How are your jobs looking? Um, what, is, what about um, finances? Uh, are you starting to worry about that or stress about how you're actually going to survive in the longer term? Um, I know um, one of the things that often keeps me awake at night are um, regrets and mistakes that I've made. As Maybe as a dad, I should have done things different or what would they be thinking of me, my kids or others? Um, or oh, I really stuffed up in that situation. Um, and we know that when I, when I ask that question of what's keeping you awake or what's robbing you of sleep, um, it's, it's not really particularly about sleep, it's actually more about what's actually robbing you of peace or a sense of contentment. It's not just at night, it might be uh, you know, during your life, isn't it? And we're asking um, really what is it that's causing you to be worried or to be causing you to be scared or what are you fearful of? And as David in this psalm, um, he asks God to help him in his distress. So he's, he's under, under stress. Um, and so we're going to ask ourselves that question. We are ready now. What's robbing you of peace? Uh, what's stressing you out? Um, and hopefully as we go through this psalm, um, we'll find what can bring us a sense of joy, a sense of contentment, a sense of peace. Um, so as we go through this, continue to be asking the Holy Spirit to speak into you about that. Uh, and hopefully as we explore it a bit, we'll be sort of getting to what's sort of behind some of that worry uh, as well. Here in uh, Psalm 4, uh, it's often referred to as an evening psalm. Uh, David refers to a couple of verses here where, um, where you're on your beds at night uh, and he finishes it uh, later on at, towards the end about um, laying down at, uh, at night in, in sleep and in peace. And so this is a psalm that um, has recorded some of David's angst in the middle of a, a, a night where he's being robbed of sleep. Um, and um, it's probably not just this psalm. If you've read through lots of the psalms, this cry comes up a lot um, of uh, people crying out to God all night long uh, and how long and uh, seeking the Lord in the midst of um, trouble or of hardship. And so uh, as we wrestle through this, we want to find how does David get to the point where he prays the, or writes and records in this psalm that he can actually lie down and sleep in peace. Um, Andrew, oh, so what's the context of this psalm? And I think Andrew did a great job uh, a couple of weeks ago when he unpacked Psalm 3. And so Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 are often linked together. Um, and a lot of uh, commentators think that they're the same context and they probably are. Uh, and so if we are asking the question of what's keeping uh, David awake at night, it's actually his son, his son Absalom. But uh, Absalom in this case is not only his son, but he's actually his enemy. Um, and his enemies, uh, if you read through some of the verses there, are actually trying to take him down as king. Uh, in verse 2, he's, he's asking the question of his enemies, how long are you going to turn my glory into shame? Uh, how long are you going to actually seek sort of delusions or lies or vanities? 
Uh, how long will you turn the people against me? He's under um, political attack and there is a smear, a smear campaign against him. There are lies and untruths that are being brought uh, against him, seeking to, uh, to bring him down. Um, and uh, what's worse for him amongst that is that it seems that the people of God are actually listening to that and turning away. The people themselves uh, are asking uh, the question, who can show us any good? And uh, the answer that's implied behind that is, uh, well, it's not King David. And behind that, it's not Yahweh. It's not God. Uh, he can't be trusted. And they're asking, well, you know, where is our goodness or where are we going to get um, sort of our prosperity from? And so David uh, is being attacked as God's anointed one. And as I said, Psalm uh, 4 and Psalm 3 are often put together. Psalm 3 is often referred to as a mourning psalm. Um, and if you remember back um, from Andrew's sermon a couple of weeks ago, uh, that psalm sort of records David's sort of prayer, um, saying, deliver me from my enemies. Uh, and his enemies are drawing up around him. And I think if you can remember some of that, um, the dread that Andrew talked about, uh, and David seeking deliverance from that. And then it's interesting, Psalm 4, you almost get the sense that um, David's then at the end of the day saying, um, my enemies are still there. <laughs> I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, sort of answered prayer or I'm not feeling it. Uh, my enemies are still causing me distress, Lord. Uh, my enemies are actually still doing what they're doing. And it's a big theme that comes up in a lot of the Psalms uh, is uh, that of the enemies of God or the wicked and that they are attacking uh, whoever the psalmist may be. Uh, and um, the psalmist or David cries out, give relief to me from the stress that my enemies are causing me. Um, and he's sort of saying, deal with my enemies. And I, I don't know if you're, you're like me, but um, I often find this a bit of a disconnect with the Psalms. Because uh, as, what, as I asked on the, uh, the video this week is, um, can you actually name who your enemies are? Often when I, when I think about my life, I, I struggle to answer the question of who are my enemies. I'm generally sort of a peaceable type person. Um, and I don't often think I have that many enemies. Um, when I sort of talk to a few people about this, people might sort of say, oh, yeah, it's my angry boss or a nasty boss or um, maybe kids, there's a bully at school or um, something like that. Or uh, maybe it's broader. We would, we, we would probably even say things like um, sickness or ill health can be enemies against us uh, or our situations as well. Um, or, yeah, asking that question like, a, a, what is your enemy of sleep? And we've sort of probably referred to that, that worry or stress or fear. But the question is, what's behind that? What's causing that? Um, and again, um, something I found helpful over the years is um, Tim Keller's uh, explanation of biblical enemies. Uh, and he says that when the Bible speaks about the enemies of God or his people, uh, he usually, uh, the Bible uses sort of three um, enemies. Uh, one is the world, uh, one is the flesh, and the other one is the devil. Um, and Tim Keller uh, says that they often all work together 
um, to rob us of our peace. Uh, the world being sort of the, the sort of a physical rea uh, reality, and that might be think if you think of some of the biblical language of um, sort of the nations coming against God's people, um, and for us today it's probably cultures or worldviews that are, are battling against the church and battling against um, us as the people of God. But also um, the Bible pictures uh, or presents the picture that the world is broken and that there is uh, sin and suffering and sickness and death in the world that come against us as enemies as well. Suffering and, and hardship and, and ultimately death um, are seen as our enemies as well. Uh, the second one, the flesh, that's probably more uh, the idea of the inner self. Um, the New Testament refers to that as sort of the old self and the new self. And we get the sense that there's a battle going on uh, between the old self and the new self. It's probably that part of us that has a bent towards temptation um, or even a bent towards our own sort of self-rule. Um, we actually want to do our own things. Um, we don't want to do what God wants us or... We're sort of tempted into maybe greed or coveting or lust. It's that sort of inner part of us that battles against uh, our new self and who we are uh, now in Christ. And then the third one, uh, enemy that the Bible talks about is the devil, Satan, uh, the, de the demonic realm. Uh, spiritual forces and powers and principalities uh, that are um, coming against God and his people. Uh, the Bible shows that they're very real uh, and that evil is at work uh, in our lives and in the world today. And as I said before, that they will all work together. They, very, they don't work independently of themselves. They're often, and maybe you can even be thinking now how these sort of enemies are actually some of the things that are starting to, that are causing you stress or, or worry to be robbed of peace. So what does David do in order to get to the point of writing those last two verses where he actually says, well, you have filled me with unbelievable joy, joy that's greater than anything my enemies can offer. Um, and that he gets to the point of it saying that actually at night I can lie down and I can sleep in peace. <laughs> And it's interesting in this psalm, as we, we look at it, it's, there's nothing in here that's sort of, it's not rocket science. There's no sort of special secret or strategy or technique that David um, brings about. He basically says, and it's got it there in the middle of the psalm, he comes to the point of saying, I just trust God. Amidst the attack of my enemies, amidst of all that's going on, uh, what I come back to is, is that I trust in God. Uh, and you can see that a little bit behind that, um, in order to trust God, uh, you have to actually be right with him. And that's where he sort of alludes that I, uh, to offer sacrifice and trust in the Lord. Um, I, Andrew alluded to it last week that um, I think some of David's enemies were reminding him of his sin. And he was convicted of um, some of the mistakes that he had made, uh, possibly as a dad, as a king, um, as well. And so he cries out to God in the midst of this psalm saying, be merciful to me. Um, and he's, he, he refers to in verse 4 about searching his own heart and not being led into sin uh, during the night. And so during the night, what he does in order to get to sleep, he, uh, 
he repents or he turns back to God and he says, or he offers sacrifices. He understands that the sacrifices of sin is what makes him um, right with God. And he turns to his God and he calls him my righteous God. And the sense of that term there is actually my God who actually gives me righteousness. And he remembers in the midst of the turmoil of, the, of his enemies in the night, he remembers God's big picture, God's plan of salvation. That God actually is saving his people and that there is a Messiah who is coming and there is actually a sacrificial uh, system in place to deal with his sin. And we, um, as Christians, some 2,000 odd years later, we know the big, big picture uh, and we know that the actual sacrificial lamb that takes away the sin of the world is Jesus, the promised Messiah who comes and who lived amongst us, who died in our place, who rose again and ascended into heaven. That my righteous God... Has made, or has made a way for me to be right so that I can trust him fully, that I can put um, my ultimate trust in him. And the beauty of this, the, the language there is that it's, it's my righteousness, my righteous God, whereas he has a personal connection with this God who is the creator of the universe, who is the redeemer, who is the covenant God, who is all-powerful, almighty, and he can call him my God, or as we later on know through Jesus, we can call him my father, our father. And that he has a father uh, who hears, uh, who listens to him, who hears his cry, who answers his prayer, who uh, allows him to be in safety. And so for us as Christians, and particularly for us as dads, is that our reality? That night and day we can know the righteousness that has come through Christ so that in the midst of our turmoil, whatever that may be, we can trust that God is still at work and he's working his plan of salvation and that he will actually get us through or he will change the situation. And through the psalm, he brings up, he starts to remember um, some of the blessings that God has um, promised. And he, he actually calls up the blessing from Numbers 6. And he reminds himself, and he reminds those who are singing or listening to this psalm, that the Lord's face is shining on us, even in maybe the midst of the darkness at night or the attack of our enemies. That light is coming and that one, you know, the morning will come, the sun will come up, and the Lord alone is the one who is making that happen. He is the one uh, in verse 8 where he says, the Lord alone brings safety. And that word there, safety, probably has more the sense, like when we think safety, we often think um, no harm. And it's probably not that so much. It's actually probably more the sense of uh, a sense of contentment. The Lord actually brings a sense of contentment or perspective that even though this stuff is still happening, actually I can have peace because the God, I know that God is still working his plan of salvation. I know that he is still uh, in control, even though uh, I have to suffer for a little while or things aren't working out the way that I want. And so in the midst of the attack of his enemies, and, and just remember too, David sustained... Uh, attack from his enemies over years and years and years. It wasn't just Absalom. Before that, it was Saul. And that went on for years and years and years. 
And in the midst of that years, he continually cried out, God, hear my answer, defeat my enemies, defeat my enemies, defeat my enemies. And um, he, he says, and that's the beautiful refrain that goes all the way through the Psalms, isn't it? That you heard my cry and I trusted you and you are with me uh, in the midst of that. And so even though my enemies are raging around me, I actually can sleep peacefully at night. That under the stress of that attack, he reminds himself, he actually, you know, it's beauty in this psalm, he reminds his enemies, he actually even reminds God, um, or, and he reminds us of who God is, um, the plan of salvation that he's working, and who we are because of him. And that big plan of salvation, um, we have that sense that if that is true, then anything can come against me and I can sustain it. Or God will change it. And I know in that big picture that um, when Jesus came and did what he did, he defeated those enemies. He defeated the, the world. He defeated uh, our flesh and he defeated the devil. And that actually through that I know that my enemies have been defeated and that I actually have been set apart by God to be his child and to live for him. And particularly this morning for you as dads, you're a bit like King David. He says there that I've actually been set apart for this role. And for us as dads, we've actually been set apart to be heads of our families, to be um, leaders in our families, influencers in our families, and to know that God actually will um, empower us to do, just, to do that and sustain us in it. And so we look back to sort of the 2,000 years and we recognise that uh, through Christ, we um, have that rightness with God, uh, the creator of the universe, the one that's over all things, and we can come to him as our dad and ask whatever we want. We recognise, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that uh, God uh, answers our prayers in different ways. Uh, but in many ways... Uh, what he's saying is, in the midst of that, just trust God. So what's our current reality? Um, if we look at the big picture again, as New Testament Christians, we actually live in the last days. And the Bible tells us through the New Testament that in those last days, uh, Jesus is actually held back his judgment in order for more people to be saved uh, and for his church to continue his ministry of saving his plan or working out his plan of salvation. Uh, we know that the war has been won, but that the battles still continue. And I think that's really helpful language for us as we experience the pain of living in this world or the attack of those enemies. And so like David, we can cry out to God to help us in the midst of our pain or our suffering. And like David, we can trust that there is a God who has made us right with him and that he now hears and knows our pain and is with us in the midst of it midst of it and will sustain us in it that we are held safe in the uh, in the arms of our father as our enemies still rage against us and so what about those enemies i'll just quickly look at uh, each one of them the world how is living in the current world affecting you uh, as a as a dad maybe but as a, as a follower of jesus uh, living in a culture that's basically saying that God is dead and irrelevant, that um, we don't want this God in 
on the throne anymore and um, probably in a culture now that's going further than that, actually saying that your God, your God or your religion is actually dangerous to us. Um, in a culture that's probably even saying that fathers are irrelevant or even maybe going as far as saying families are irrelevant. In a world that says um, you need to work harder, you need to strive more, and if you're not successful materially or experientially, then you're a failure. A world that actually lies and gives us delusions that um, the things of this world will actually solve our problems. A culture that is uh, mocking us as followers of Christ. Um, a world that is broken and that is suffering. As we see around the world, we see famines and disasters. We think of pandemics, of terrorism. Uh, the world is a mess. We personally possibly experience sickness and pain and the reality of death around us. And in the midst of this, we say, Lord, give us endurance. Help us to trust. And we trust the words of Jesus that say this. We remember the words of Jesus that said, the world will hate you because of me, but fear not because I have overcome the world. And he reminds us of the promises that while in the world you may have many sufferings, that nothing of them is compared to the glory that awaits you. And so like David, we come back at the world with the truth that Jesus has defeated the world. And in that big story, then we can actually manage to live in this broken, cursed and sin-filled world with a biblical perspective that Jesus is with us in the midst of us. Jesus has defeated that enemy and ultimately he's going to come back and restore an earth where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more evil. And we can be reminded of the promises that are recorded in, it, in the word that says nothing, can, nothing in this world, in all of creation, is able to separate us from the love of God through Jesus. So whatever is our situation, dads, sleep easy tonight. Your dad, the creator of the universe, is with you and has defeated the world. And what about the flesh? Uh, another enemy that often comes to us in the night and plagues us. Uh, David warns in this psalm that uh, on your beds at night, uh, don't get angry that leads you into sin. And he's probably there referring to the sense of uh, maybe anger at enemies, their success but even maybe an anger towards God that might lead to resentment or mistrust or giving up on this God. We know that temptations are there to, for us to turn to false gods, to indulge in stuff that might make us feel good temporarily, that might numb the pain, but those false gods will, are lies and they will come to, to an end. Things like television or alcohol or lust or wealth or fantasy come to us in the night, don't they? And, and they sort of try and take us away from trusting in God and looking to something else. And so the old self within us, that's, that, that old self, the sinful self that Paul often talks about, um, is at battle against our new self. But then again, we remember uh, the words of Paul in Galatians 5 that says, whoever belongs to Christ 
has crucified the sinful nation, the sinful nature or the old self with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us now keep in step with the Spirit. And we come back at the old self with the truth that actually that old self is dead. Uh, and even though, so the war has been won, Jesus has given us a new self, a new, because we're now um, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit are at work in us. We are actually uh, created now, uh, what is it, in Ephesians 4, it says, put on the new self which is created to be like God in true holiness and righteousness. So we, uh, our new identity is that we've been set apart by God uh, to be the dads or the fathers that he's called us to be or to be the children of God that he's called us to be. And he calls us to trust in him and to be able to stand and resist the temptations that come our way, knowing that the old self is dead and that we are now slaves to righteousness, he says. We are right with God. And so we can come to our father in the midst of our temptation um, and our hardship. And a great way um, that he does that and I was thinking particularly as we're doing a bit of the men's ministry stuff, is as a church, as guys together or people together to remind each other, um, even maybe to call each other, not to fall into those temptations, but to have accountability partners or people that can, you can actually help. Um, God has given us his church to help us through these things. And so we put what comes to us in the night into the big story of God. And we recognise too that, that probably the, the flesh enemy is very much influenced by our last enemy, which is the devil, the spiritual attacks that come our ways. Uh, think of some of the terms that um, are given to Satan and he is known as the father of lies. He is the tempter and he is the accuser. He is uh, the one who brings fear and, and seeks to attack God's people. It's probably not alluded so much here in this psalm, but throughout the Bible, um, we are reminded that our battle is not just against flesh and bud, blood, but it's against the powers and principalities. And Satan will interact with the world, the, the seeds of untruth that the world will seek to bring to us, and will interact with the old self, and seek to have us uh, not trust God and trust ourselves or trust other things. But we're reminded in Colossians 2.15 that on that cross, Christ freed himself from the power of all spiritual rulers and authorities. And he made a public spectacle of them, leading them as captives uh, in his wake. And so Christ reminds us that he has defeated the devil and he... Uh, um, he reminds us of the big picture again that, um, that Satan, even though he's real and he is unleashed on the earth, is still on a leash and he is still uh, under the control of God. That uh, he was defeated on the cross and even though we still experience um, his influence here in this world, we know that when Jesus comes again, he will be destroyed forever. And that on the new heaven, the new earth, there will be no evil. And so we can stand in the midst of spiritual attack 
which often comes at night, and I think I've shared many times of um, those spiritual demonic attacks for me personally that have often been answered as I trusted in the promises of God. And one of those ones, particularly for the enemy of the devil, is putting on the armour of God. And do we pray that at night? And I love what it is. It starts off with the belt of truth. That's what David does in Psalm. He just comes back at, at these enemies with the truth. Um, and everything sort of hangs on that. And he puts the breastplate of righteousness. He reminds himself that he's right with God and that his heart is protected by the sacrificial lamb. He is reminded of the gospel of peace or the sandals of the gospel of peace, that this is actually good news of peace to us. He holds up the shield of faith that has the promises of God written on the inside. He puts on the helmet of salvation uh, that protects us against untruth and reminds us of the joy of our salvation. He holds up the sword of the spirit and comes back at him with the word of God. And we know that God will protect us and that as we stand, he will flee. The enemy will flee from us. So whatever uh, your situation may be, whatever might be uh, robbing you of peace or robbing you of sleep at night, we remember that at the end of each night, the morning comes. Uh, the sun rises and it's like David reminds himself in this psalm, he actually like quotes the blessing. He says, the Lord makes his face shine on us and he gives us peace. It's like my um, message that I mentioned a, a couple of months ago about the sunflowers turning back to the sun again and reminding ourselves of the truth of who God is and who we are because of him. So it's the truth that enables David to say that at night he can actually lie down in peace because he says, you alone are God. You alone are the one who created the universe and everything in it. You are the one who I can dwell in safety. And even though my enemies are still active around me, I can actually have a sense of contentment. And more than that, I can actually have joy of your salvation that will get me through this night or this situation. My perspective has changed and I can trust him to get through whatever may come my way. And more than that, he says he will restore to us that joy which is greater than anything his enemies are experiencing. Anything the world, the flesh or the devil will give, I'll give you greater joy than that. And that is the joy of salvation, of living with me in eternity in perfection. Often when uh, people read this psalm, uh, they think that what's causing David's distress is unanswered prayer. Um, but actually, this is a psalm which I think, and a number of other people think too, it's actually not about unanswered or answered prayer. David knows that God answers prayer yes or wait or no, and he's experienced all of those in his life. This actually is a psalm about trust. And it's about trusting in a God who has defeated his enemies and controls his enemies and the situation and about trusting a God who is working out his plan of salvation and that one day he will come and restore the world the way it should be. And so that enables him to sleep peacefully at night. He knows that this God he can call dad because he's right with him. There's nothing that separates him. This God hears him. Uh, and answers prayers and is working in him and through him. So we can sleep uh, at night, like Psalm 121 tells us, we can sleep at night because we have a father who doesn't sleep. 
Remember Psalm 121 that says God doesn't slumber or sleep. He watches over his people. And so as we uh, wrap this up, one of the ways I said earlier that David deals with his enemies and the stress of whatever's on his plate, he remembers the blessing. Uh, the blessing that God gave his people back in Numbers, uh, uh, Numbers 6 and that the priests proclaimed um, and reminded the people of the truth that God is for them. God is working his good in and through them. And uh, you've probably seen this song being used uh, around the world this year. And it's been an encouragement to the church throughout the world. Uh, and so this morning, we actually want to use uh, this song, the song of the blessing, uh, to be an encouragement to our dads in particular, but to any of us who are followers of Christ. And so our youth band has actually put a version together of this song. And uh, may you take in these words as a reminder of, a, of the God you can trust, that his face is shining on you and that his favour is for you. And as it says, in the morning or in the evening or in your grieving or in your rejoicing, that God is with you and for you. And then um, the word, the refrain that comes up a lot is Amen. And amen sort of means, yes, it's true. Uh, that, that's the way I want it to be. I agree. It shall be. And so we can uh, do that trusting in this God that is for us and working out his plan for his people through all eternity. Enjoy. Enjoy.